Okay, our text today is in Philippians chapter 4, if you'll turn with me there. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be reading verses 8 and 9 in Philippians 4. This is a great text for the kids while they're in here. I know you guys miss your children's church, but this is a great text for you guys too. Philippians 4, starting in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Dear Lord, we pray that by the light of your Holy Spirit, You will illuminate this text to us today, this morning. That you will use your servant Paul to open it up to us, to make it richer, more lovely, more beautiful, more virtuous. And that our lives will be changed, Lord, because you opened your word to us. So we pray that um, you would use this time to reveal yourself to us, that you would anoint Paul with your passion, with passion for the lessons that you have laid upon his heart, with clarity in his mind and his speech, and that you would use this time, Lord, to draw us ever closer to yourself. This is your time, Lord. Use it for your glory in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. <clears throat> so we looked last week as a kind of New Year's introduction to the subject of dying to yourself. And I said that that was the best way forward the best, most positive message that I could bring for the new year, that we have to die to ourselves. The reason that it's a positive message is that if we die to ourselves, our wants and our urges and our thoughts, then God, the Holy Spirit, can influence us with his thoughts, with his ways, with his life. And that's what we want. We want to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. We want to be right with God as we enter this new year. And so continuing that thought, you can see from the title here that uh, I'm going to talk about the power of positive thinking. Now, there's a lot of... uh, YouTube videos, a lot of instruction manuals, a lot of things out there about positive thinking. Okay, thinking rightly and positively about yourself and about the world, but particularly about yourself. 
Well, you'll know straight away that because of what I preached last week, I'm not talking about thinking positively about yourself. I'm thinking or focusing on thinking positively about God. But I do need to say a few uh, a few things to clear away uh, some misconceptions. Christians are not to be the kinds of people that are always down on themselves. There's no reason to be down on yourself as a Christian. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you're not good enough in and of yourself. You know that you're not the person that you want to be and that you'll never attain to be the person that you want to be. You're not that virtuous. You're not that good. So that's... Once you accept that about yourself, that humbles you. You don't have high expectations of yourself, hopefully. And if you have the Spirit of Christ, you don't have that high expectations of other people either. Therefore, that is good, fertile ground for humility and for meekness. The ground upon which all of the other virtues rests. If you're not humble and if you're not meek, then there's no room, there's no place for any of the other uh, great uh, fruit of the Spirit. The contemporary idea of thinking positively about yourself is actually a denial of the truth about yourself. If we say or tell ourselves that we are all that, that we are, we've got it together, that we are getting better and better, or whatever we want to tell ourselves, then the focus is on us, not on God. We're worshipping ourselves, but we're not very fit objects for worship, are we? Neither are other human beings. We tend to foul things up pretty often. We tend to be self-centered. We don't need to be told to be self-centered. We tend to be that way. We tend to focus on our own feelings and our own thoughts. We put ourselves at the center of the universe. But that's not where we need to be. That's where God is. That's where God (laughs) reigns, where he has his rights. We do not have any rights outside of what God wants for us. Now, there's safety in that. That's not a negative thing to say. There's safety in that because God is good. God is the definition of good. God is compassionate. God is loving. God is gracious. He's righteous and he's holy and he never changes. And he has set his affection upon you. So if we understand this, then we can obey Paul's command in Romans chapter 12. Although we're going to Philippians 4 for most of this sermon, 
I want you to quickly turn to Romans chapter 12 and the first two verses. You know these verses well. Most of you do. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you see? Not by the harshness of God, not by the law of God, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So what is acceptable to God? What is the first thing if you want to do God's will? The most reasonable thing for you to do if you want to do God's will? Come to Jesus and then put yourself on the altar. And of course, it's a metaphor, isn't it? It's a metaphor for dying to yourself, what we were um, talking about last week. It's not my will, but your will be done, Lord. That's the idea. And if we can get up each day and we can uh, say to the Lord, Lord, I want to give myself and give this day over to you. Guide me. Help me. Help me to do your will. Help me to to know your ways today. That's a good way to start the day. It is reasonable to put ourselves on the altar, even if altar is spelt with an E, which I've never seen before, but there you go. I must have, uh, that's my handwriting, it's not Daryl, that's my handwriting. Paul wants us, above all things, to present our bodies as a sacrifice to God. And this is daily. It's perfect tense. So the idea is that all of our five senses and all of the information that are gathered by the five senses each and every day, these things need to be given to God. When we do that, there are thoughts that we might be inclined to think that we're going to not think. There are places that we might be inclined to go or things that we might be inclined to hear or watch or read or whatever that we will stop ourselves from doing. Why? Because we don't want to be tainted with those things which are wicked, those things that God disapproves of. God doesn't disapprove of things because he's capricious and because he's just uh, a, uh, you know, know-it-all kind of do-gooder, puritanical, uh, spoil sport. That's not the idea. Those things which are good are those things which edify us, those things that make us better people, those people, those things that make us more mature Christians, those things that allow us to put others before ourselves and to put God before all. Why do we need to do this? Well, Paul says in verse 2, that he doesn't want us to be conformed to this world. The term here, 
means the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things, the world's way of interpreting life. Whether it's, a, it's a, an evolutionary idea or whether it's a, an idea of some kind of an emergence or that we're not really here at all, all of these are basically a denial of the fact that we're created beings and that we're created in the image of God, but fallen. And the world understands itself and its um, ideas, its morals, God himself in those terms. Well, God doesn't want us to be thinking in those terms. He wants us to be transformed daily by the renewing of our minds. You see, it's a battle for the mind. We are engaged as Christians in a battle for the mind. Satan wants to pollute our minds with the idea, ideas of the world. The idea of self. The idea of God's not a judge. The idea that you can choose whatever you want to do and God's going to be okay with it. He's just going to rubber stamp it. Self-assertiveness, hubris, which always leads to moral decline. He wants our minds to be renewed, not just once, day by day. This is something that we have to do. How do we start this process of renewing our minds today? We have to put self on the altar. We have to be willing to say, these bodies, these lives are yours today, Lord. And when we do that, well then it says that we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is the will of God? Well, you're never going to know if you will not die to self. And allow God to work in you. Now we can go over to Philippians chapter 4. Because uh, what Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4. Is predicated on what he's just said in Romans 12 there. There's uh, a great deal of wonderful teaching in this epistle. But Paul has come to the end. And he says here, finally, even though he's got a few more things he's going to add, in verse 8 he says, finally, brethren. And then he gives you a list, a list of things to do. A list of things to think upon. Remember Paul said, the renewing of your mind. These are things that you can think upon. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble or honest, whatever things are just or righteous, whatever things are pure or holy, whatever things are lovely or that give pleasure to, um, to the sight and sound, whatever things are of good report, 
These are the things that Paul wants us to focus on. Now, I understand that there is much in the world that's wicked, and we don't want to shut ourselves off from what's going on in the world. We need to know what's going on in the world, even if it's bad news. I understand that. We cannot be ignorant of the times in which we live. But that does not mean we're spoon-fed. It doesn't mean that we believe everything that we're told. This year, 2024, is election year. And I'm not going to get political here. I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of shenanigans. There's going to be a lot of false reporting. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you better investigate yourself. Because you're not going to be told the truth. Okay? You're going to be led down the garden path by both parties. There's a great deal of other things that are going to happen this year. I almost guarantee that this will be uh, a red-letter year. But in the midst of it, our focus, our daily focus, it can't be what the newspapers say. It can't be the dread of uh, the latest bad thing, evil thing that's on the horizon. It can't be concern about the economy. It can't be concern about who's going to be in office and what's going on. The world's going to do what the world's going to do, folks. It has to be that we turn our attention, despite the times in which we live, to our Savior. Because we're called into his kingdom. We're citizens of heaven. We're strangers and pilgrims in this life. And so he has a list for us. He has some thoughts for us. Things that we should focus on. Let's have a quick look at them. Whatever things are true. There's a lot of things that people say are true which are complete lies. We know that, yes? So in all of this, the qualification is, it's what God says is true, is true. Okay? It's what God says is true, not what the world says is true. The world, the whole world lies in the wicked one, we're told. But things that are true, things that line up with this book, things that line up with the Holy Scriptures, things that Help us to understand this book and its author more. The central truths are all found in Scripture. And you could apply those truths to what's going on in your life or what's going on in the world. A basic yardstick, and it is a basic one, but it's a helpful one, is that whatever the world says, whatever the news media say, look at the other side of it completely. You know, you're probably closer to the truth there. If they are castigating an individual, maybe there's, uh, there's, they're doing it for a reason. Maybe they're doing it because they don't like what that person represents what that person is saying, what that person is willing to go out on a limb for. 
It doesn't mean that that person is a wonderful individual. It doesn't mean that that person is a righteous individual. But it also doesn't mean that the truth is being told. Those things that are true are those things that you can rely on. You can rely on the fact that God is there. You can rely on the fact that Jesus has died for your sins. That God will never leave you and never forsake you. That you have a home in glory and that you are not your own, you're bought with a price. You can rely on the fact that those words of comfort and consolation to you are real. You can rely on the fact that you're on the side of truth. The world wants to redefine truth. It even wants to say that a person just by their personal choice can decide whether they're a girl or a boy, a male or a female. When we get to that state of affairs, focus, uh, uh, folks, we know that we are a long way down the path of error. We're a long, long way from truth. We're a long, long way from reason. We're in the realm of emotion. We're in the realm of irrationality. So focus on those things that are true. This is why coming to a Bible-believing church and hearing the truth taught is so important. It's centering. It's not that Steve and I are infallible. We're certainly a long way short of that. We make mistakes. We make errors. But we depend on this book and we believe this book. And we try to inculcate the truths of this book to your lives so that your minds are imprinted with some truth to take out there into the world. He says, whatever things are noble, whatever things are honest, whatever things are, uh, are good and solid. We don't use the term noble very much anymore, which is a shame. It speaks about those things that are tried and true and trustworthy. Those things that you can depend upon that are not going to give way. Whatever things are just or righteous. What is right? What is, is good? What is, uh, what is honest? These are the things that you need to focus on because as you focus on, the, on these things, then your mind absorbs them, their goodness, their influence. Your mind becomes lightened. Your mind becomes uh, more clear on what is right and what is, ro- what is wrong, on the way that you should go forward. 
You get less muddled when you focus on these things. Whatever things are pure or holy, those things that are set apart for good, those things that are connected to God, those things that are devoted to him, those things that speak of him, it's good to be in Christian conversation. It's, it's good to be uh, in a good Christian book. It's even better to be in this book. Spend time in these things which are pure. Think about your own sins because you've got plenty of them. As many as I do. There's work to be done. You think about your sins, their impurity, their wrongness, their wickedness, and then you focus on what God wants from you. You focus on what is pure in order to draw yourself and be drawn by the Spirit to that which is holy. Remember, God says, be holy, for I am holy. Well, how are you going to be holy if you don't think about the things that are holy? Whatever things are lovely. This is a, this word is actually, it's only used here in the New Testament, but the idea is those things that, that just for their simple beauty, their simple goodness, bring light into your life. Trees, flowers, creation, a sunset. The laugh of a child. These things, focus on these beautiful things that are around you. It might be, uh, you, you might not have, be having your best day, but maybe you can focus on a bee that's buzzing around a flower. Maybe you can draw some joy from just seeing the different colors that God has painted in the world. Whatever things are lovely, think on those things. You know, we do not stop and think about how beautiful this world is very often. We're too busy doing our things in it to stop and actually wonder. Satan wants you to do that. In the screw tape letters, one demon is saying to the other demon, he's saying, whatever you do, don't allow this person to go on walks in the countryside. Don't allow him to do that. Keep him in the city. Keep him busy. Keep him in the noise. You know the reason for that? The devil knows that you're just likely to thank God for a beautiful day when you're walking down a pathway and you're hearing the birds sing and the sun's in the sky and there's nothing but beauty and peace all around you. You might actually think about who you are in this world. What a gift this world is to you. Whatever things are of good report. Things that people say, hey, this, have you seen this? Have you uh, read this? Have you thought about this? 
Maybe somebody's testimony of God's goodness to them. Stop and listen to it. God is working. But again, sometimes we turn a blind eye to it because, well, we've got stuff to do. We've got things to do. We've got schedules that we've got to keep. Or maybe we've got sins that we've got to commit. No, stop, stop. Think about those things that are of good report. And at the end here, he he just adds, if there's any virtue. Now, all of these things are virtuous that he's just said. But if there's anything else, if you can add to this list good things, any virtuous thing, then add to it. Focus on those things that are virtuous, that those things that are good, that are solid. If there is anything praiseworthy, well, people, I understand, people praise wickedness, don't they, today, and evil. But what Paul means here, obviously, is that which God would praise, that which holy men and women would praise. Because God wants praise. How is God going to get praise if you're not thinking and focusing on things that elicit praise in your life? If your thoughts are elsewhere, then whatever praise you give to God will be just... You you wouldn't have thought it through. It wouldn't be meditated upon. It wouldn't be properly comprehended. When we give praise, it's got to be something that's a response to something we've actually been thinking about, which has stirred us. What does he say we're to do with these things? Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Stop and think about them. The world, especially the New Age and the Eastern religions, says meditate on nothing. Clear your mind so that Satan can fill it. God says, do not clear your mind. Do not empty your thoughts. Fill your thoughts with virtuous and praiseworthy things. Your mind has been designed, it's not to empty but to fill. It works best when you fill it, but when you fill it with the right things. The things of God, the things that it was created to think about. Meditate on these things. Now this takes, it takes you stopping. Well, me too. We have to stop. We have to value the importance of just ruminating on things. The things of God. You say, well, I'm not doing anything while I'm doing that. I'm not being productive if I do that. What you're doing is that you're actually refueling 
your life with that which is good, that which will center you and focus you on who you are in Christ. There are so many wonderful doctrines in the scriptures. Things like our union with Christ. God has, has connected us with Christ, especially the power of his resurrection. You're connected to that. With prayer. With thanksgiving. With the depth of God's grace. So many things that Paul speaks about in here that we just know the verses, but we don't pause and actually meditate upon them. Paul wants us to meditate on good things this year. That's Christian positive thinking. And it's recommended. But not just things to think about. Paul goes on in verse 9. The things which you have learned and received and heard. Now these are not just, these are not the things that he's just spoken about. This is additional stuff. This is stuff that has been brought to them, biblical teaching if you like. Instruction in the word of God. Maybe examples of Paul in his life, of other Christians, these things that have helped them develop as Christians, these do. These do. Now, why did he not start with that? Why did he not say, well, just do these good things that you've seen in me? Why did he uh, put this list before all of that. Because this is a sinful world. This is an evil world. This is a dark world. This is a world reigned over by Satan and his demons. This is a world of sinful inclinations let loose. And we live in the midst of it. And if we are going to think as we ought to think, then this list of virtues in verse 8 will prepare us to accept the truths of Scripture. Do you see? If we learn to meditate on the good things in, in life, we'll learn to meditate on the good things in Scripture, the truths of Scripture. We will habitually feed ourselves with the goodness of God. And when you do this, when you follow this advice, what's the result? The thing that we all want, the thing that we all strive for, the thing that's so elusive, the peace of God. He puts it this way, the God of peace will be with you. The God that brings peace will be with you. So you don't just get peace from this list of wonderful things or from the things that you've learned, but God comes alongside you as the God of peace. 
and confirms these things in your life. This is a wonderful way to live, and yet I forget about it. And you probably do too. So this is a call to us, a call to everyone in this new year to base our thoughts, renew our thoughts, and to focus on these things which are good, these things that are virtuous and praiseworthy. Because nothing but good arises out of it all. The world's bad enough, isn't it? And if I'm right about this world, it's only going to get worse this year. There's going to be plenty of things to get your attention away, to make you angry, to make you frustrated, to, to, to make you feel dirty and polluted. There are many, many things that going, are going to be thrown at us this year. I mean, like every year, but this is the new year we're going into. So let us be wise. Let us start and intend to go on this way. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord. We're so easily deterred from uh, the things that would do us most good. We're distracted. Sometimes by, uh, we're like Martha, we're too busy doing things to sit at the feet of Jesus. Help us, Father, not to be distracted by this world. Help us to, to focus. We know that there is much to do. We know that, that there is work to be done. We know that things can't, not everything can be put off. But let us make time, Lord. Let us um, time, uh, use the time that's been given to us to meditate and think about these things which are virtuous. And above all this, Help us to put ourselves on the altar so that our thinking would be transformed by you. In Jesus' name, amen.